and the Holy Ghost. Let's turn in our Bibles. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. We're going to start in verse uh, number 5. And I just want to say it's a tremendous honor to be able to speak to you as it always is. And uh, such an honor to just be in his house and to be bringing the word tonight. Amen. So let's read from verse number 5. We'll read verses 5 through 7, and then we're going to jump to verse number 12. You want to have that ready. And he said peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And verse number 12 says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Amen. If we'd put our Bibles down, and if you'd help me pray that God would bless our time together and bless this word tonight. Jesus, I ask that you would move in this place, that you would have your way, have your liberty, and that, Lord, you would encourage, that you would lift up your people, that it would be a blessing to, to these people that have come tonight, these saints of God. I pray that you would bless us as we look into your word together. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated at this time. Amen. Recently, our book of the month club, just to give a uh, plug for that, last month was from the late T.F. Tenney, uh, a bishop, a pastor of many years in Louisiana, and just a man of God. And uh, such wisdom can be found in the pages of that book. It was just such power, and it was all in bite-sized nuggets. But something that really stood out to me that I want to share with you, and what, what sparked this thought in me, is uh, this quote that he had in here. He says, Charles Colson recently reflected, this bigger is better mindset is deadly. Vernon Grounds has wisely warned. We are sinfully concerned with bigness, with budgets, with buses, buildings, and baptisms. Another observed, we are obsessed with the three S's, sight, size, and sound. In a world that worships measurable success, it is easy for ambitious pastors to forget the church has a number of important but entirely unmeasurable ministry tasks. Amen. Such a powerful uh, quote from this book. It just really stood out to me, and especially that part that said, in a world that measures success, it is easy for ambitious pastors to forget the church has a number of important but entirely unmeasurable ministry tasks. I couldn't get away from this deep concept presented in so few words. And I don't think that this just applies to pastors. That is, it is absolutely the truth 
that there is so much that we must do that doesn't have any measurable result in the carnal. Amen? These unseen things that we must do, these disciplines that we have, though they're not done in a spotlight, they are absolutely essential for our walk with God. Though these disciplines we live by might not have any visible attractiveness, if you will, they matter so much in the eyes of God. Amen. What we do in the unseen, it matters to God. For he sees the heart. And so I want to preach and teach, mainly teach for this next little while together on this thought. And it's simply kingdom metrics. Kingdom metrics. I know some of you might be saying, okay, metrics, that's a, that's a funny word. Uh, that's a nerdy word, you might say, and I would agree with you. Uh, but you see, this world has metrics for everything. From online reviews, if you run a local business, you know how important it is that you have good reviews online or people will avoid going to your business just because of that star rating that they see, you know, or they might say the atmosphere is great, but the coffee is terrible. So don't come to this coffee shop. So they, they rank you, right? Job applicants are ranked between each other. Um, company stock, stock market value. They look at all kinds of things. These companies do these presentations so that they can try to uh, have a, a valuation that's higher than before. And they, they want that stock to, to climb and, and, and be more valuable. Your, your own credit worthiness is measured by a credit score, right? And there's many others in our lives. There's all kinds of metrics that we live in, right? Some, so, uh, one metric that you might use, for example, just to pull one out there, is for the job applicant, right? So a, a job applicant applying for a job, they're going to look at things like how long have they worked in this kind of job? Have they worked in this industry before? You know, if they've literally never, ever been a nurse before, they probably aren't going to get hired when they apply for a nurse job. Amen? Right? And, and they look at things. Are there any gaps in their employment? Uh, can they demonstrate that they possess the relevant skills for the job? You know, do they, do they actually have the skills to, you know, operate that wrench, you know? I, I, I don't work a job where I operate a wrench. They probably wouldn't trust me to do so, right? Uh, a machinist job, you know, something like that. Uh, they, they wouldn't trust me with that because I don't have those skills, but I also don't have that history. They look at all these things together, right? In all these cases, there must be a visible and sensible indication that shows that this person is a success, that shows them that, hey, I want to hire that person above everybody else who applied for this job because I feel like that they have the skills that are necessary. However, uh, the scripture tells us in our text here that, you know, Eliab was no doubt Jesse's best son. He's a man who probably had expert skills as a warrior, right? He, he put forth his best son and said, oh, if Samuel's going to anoint somebody to be king, it's got to be Eliab, right? And he, he was probably already well-known, maybe even famous in their community, that they knew that, oh, Jesse's boy Eliab, 
He's got something. He, he, he's something else. He's got some skills. He, he is tall, and he looks good, right? He looks good visibly, the Bible says. He, he was actually good looking. But in the case of who God sought to anoint to be the next king, the Bible lets us know specifically that although uh, Samuel himself even thought that it should be Eliab, God said it isn't who has the perfect look, right? It's not the person with the right height or the right skills. It's nothing in the outward, but the Lord looks on the heart. Eliab and all his other brothers that stood before the prophet that day didn't have the right heart. Not a single one of them. And they went right down the line to the point where Jesse hadn't even invited David into the house. He said, is this all your sons? No, I have one more. He's just, he, uh, he don't look so good, prophet. He, uh, he, he, he's a little bit ruddy, the Bible says. You know, we don't use that word. That's an old English word. Uh, but I'm sure it's not a good thing to be ruddy. You know, he's, he's, he, he's a little disheveled, you know. He's, a, he's not so good looking. But this one young man who was ruddy and not goodly to look on had the right heart. Amen. He had the right heart. You see, I believe this is maybe what the Apostle Paul was referring to when he wrote the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, when he said, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Can I just say, I'm so glad that God doesn't require us to be an expert. He doesn't require us to have a certain look, but rather he requires us to have the right heart. Amen. He requires and he is looking for somebody who has the heart of a worshiper. He's looking for somebody who is dedicated to the Lord. Amen. And that is what we should seek after. You see, I'm contrasting here tonight. There's metrics we see as success, but then there's metrics that God sees as success. The heart is what I, what I want to dig into, that meaning of that he had the right heart. It is his dedication to the Lord. It is that he served God and was faithful to God and obeyed his commandments, first of all. Amen. The, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4 and 23, and it's something we should consider all the time. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The Living Bible says it this way. It says, above all else, guard your affections. For they influence everything else in your life. The things you allow that heart to love, the affections that you have, are going to control everything in your life. The internal, ultimately, it controls the external, is what the scripture is telling us. Everything in your life is going to be based on whether your heart is right. Amen. You see, David wrote this in Psalms 20 and 7. He said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
Our world puts value in certain things, tangible things, right? It puts value in the car that you drive, the house that you own, the clothes that you wear. But it's the people who put their trust in the Lord that are truly a success. Amen. I want to be a success in the kingdom of God. Above anything else that the, that the, world, that, that the world could ever give me and, and what the world might call success. I just want to be a success in God's eyes here tonight. And I hope every Christian in this room believes that and is pushing for that and is striving for that every single day. We got to be looking for a kingdom metric. We got to be looking for a kingdom standard. That the kingdom of God is worth more than anything and his kingdom ought to be first in my life. Hallelujah. We got to put God first above everything. You see, David wasn't necessarily a man of war. However, God still used him. The Bible tells us that after he was anointed, I find this so interesting, after he was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord began, the Scripture says, to come upon David. Now, he defeated the, the bear, he defeated the lion. How did he do that? It was because God began to rest on him. It wasn't David alone, for he told, he even said to the, to the Philistine that withstood the armies of Israel, he said, you come to me with a, a spear and a sword, but what do, how do I come? I come to you in the name of the Lord. He understood that his strength and his power only came from the anointing of God. And that anointing we as a believer should seek after as well. We have challenges. We have things that withstand us in our lives. But we sometimes withstand them in the flesh. But that's not the will of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God. They're mighty through God. Amen. How can you be strong? How can you do great things? How can your life be a life of value? It's going to only be through God. Amen. It's going to be through God. And the scripture tells us that in Psalms 125 and 1, David said, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Hallelujah. You see, when we have our trust in the right place, we're not going to fade away. But God is going to grow in us. He's going to grow and use us for his kingdom. You're going to abide forever. Somebody say forever. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There's nothing that we can do. You know, and I find that interesting because, yes, people succeed in all kinds of just wild ways. You know, you, you, you hear the stories of these, these mega rich people. And, you know, none of us would ever reach that, I don't know, unless God opens the door. 
But they say that, you know, Jeff Bezos, the, the CEO, founder of Amazon, he could spend a million dollars every day and he wouldn't spend it all for the rest of his life if he wanted to. He could just quit working. That's a lot of money. That's success. But what, it, what does the scripture say? It says that without me, you can do nothing. That, in other words, that's nothing. That's all going to pass away, is it not? He's not going to take any of that to the grave. He's not going to take a single dollar. He could put it all in his casket and make his kids not have to, you know, get any of it, you know. He could if he wanted to, but it's nothing. It doesn't matter. Somebody say it doesn't matter. The success in this world does not matter to God. But all that matters, it can only be found when we abide in him. I find this such a beautiful example here. And, and it's that we are the branch. We are not the vine, but we're connected to the vine. You know, you, you pull a, a branch off of a vine, you're not going to be able to plant that branch. It's not going to grow. What happens? You know, we just had Valentine's Day, right? So you cut that branch that had the flower on it. And you put it in, you know, some water, and you gave it some, some flower food. And I, I, I guarantee some of y'all, your flowers are dead already. They, they've been dead for a week. Why? Because they can't just live without their source. It's the same thing. It begins to wither away. It wilts away. You could change the water, and yeah, you could keep them alive for a long time. You can. But eventually, they're going to die on its own. I think that that's such a beautiful picture. What that tells me is that I can't do this on my own. I have got to be in the kingdom. I have to be planted, and I have to abide in God. All the time, every single day, I have to allow the Lord to put nutrients into my life. Amen. I, I have to allow him to purify my heart every single day. Because if I am not connected, I can do nothing. I can't do anything. We've got to abide in him. You aren't a vine yourself. We are just the branches. The world says it this way. They say, hey, just live your own life. Find your own truth. Find your own way. And everything's going to be all right. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can find salvation, that we can meet God face to face. Hallelujah, the only way we can make it to heaven is if we go God's way. And God's way is something we've got to do every day. I've got to be connected to God. I've got to serve him. I've got to be successful in his kingdom. Above everything. Pastor preached so awesomely this past Sunday. We've got to save ourselves. Amen. Before we worry about producing any fruit. That branch ain't going to produce any fruit all by itself either. 
It can't unless it's connected, unless it's purified, unless it is clean. Hebrews 12 still says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. It doesn't say follow your heart, because that's what this world says. That's a mantra of the world. Follow your heart. No, it says follow peace with all men and follow holiness. Amen. That's what our pursuit should be. That's what we should be seeking after. Jesus, how can I be more like you? That should be our prayer each and every day. I hope I'm encouraging someone. You, you all know this. Amen. Because you're here on a Tuesday night. Amen. But just a reminder to you that we should not compare ourselves to others who may seem to be a success because you're a success when you serve God. You're a success when you put the kingdom first. You're a success and your life can have purpose and your life can have value when you are in his kingdom and you abide in him. Amen. We should stop and evaluate ourselves tonight. Am I growing in God? Am I disciplined in my prayer time? Am I disciplined in the reading of the word? Am I disciplined in getting myself fed spiritually, daily? Am I, being, am I faithful in, in attending the services in the house of the Lord and consuming the preached word of God? Amen? We got to evaluate ourselves sometimes. You know, there's so much content out there. They got a streaming service for everything. They got, I heard that the other day they have a, a Paramount Plus. And they have, you know, Google Plus. And the, and I, well, actually, that's not it at all. But they have Hulu Plus and they have, they have Disney Plus. They have all this content. You know, I, I saw something recently. I thought it was so interesting. It, it said, would you like to uh, watch a 10-hour movie? And somebody's like, no, I'm not going to watch a 10-hour movie. Well, what if I break it up into one-hour segments? I'm sold. That's what they do. It's binge culture, right? You binge that content. You're following that story along, and it's so awesome, you know, and, and you're, 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 or you're learning something. It's a documentary. But how, how much content should we consume that is not kingdom content? Amen? You should have the preached word of God in your life. You should have the Bible involved in your life. And there's, there's more ways than ever. We have recording of preaching at your fingertips. Centuries ago, all they had was these pages. But now you can listen to someone reading the Word of God to you. You can listen to, to the, them reading the entire Bible to you. You could do your Bible reading through them playing it to you. Amen? You could hear every sermon that you could imagine just at your fingertips. But is that what we allow ourselves to consume? Is that the content we allow ourselves to consume? Are we faithful to, to receiving when we are here in the house of the Lord? Do we take seriously to be in the house of the Lord at every cost we can? I, I, I got to be honest with you. I was convicted this week uh, on Sunday there's a pastor, he, he's actually one of the sons of the missionary, Brother Tomyev, who uh, we were, pastor was speaking about, and he's somebody that I believe that we support um, the missionary in Ukraine, 
And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, he used to be here in the Sacramento area and ran a Ukrainian ministry at, in Sacramento, just right here in our backyard, and then went back as a missionary to Ukraine. This is a brother in, in Christ, and he has a large family. Many of his kids are in ministry. This is his son, and he's a pastor there in Ukraine. And he got on a video on Sunday, and he said to them, thank you so much for your prayers. You know, we're just, we, we don't know what's, what's ha- going to happen. And, and he, he shared, hey, if you want to support us, you can give, you know, but please continue to pray. We're feeling your prayers. And it, it was just, he, he was so emotional. And he began to say at the very end of it, I don't know why he said it, but it just jumped out of the video to me. He said that uh, if you have the opportunity to go to the house of the Lord, don't take that for granted. He said right now in Ukraine, we don't know when we're going to ever gather again. We don't even know if we're going to see the people in our church family. They might not make it through this. And he said, don't you ever take for granted the house of the Lord. If you can get to church, he said, be at church. Worship at church. Worship with your church family because there's nothing better than being with the people of God. That's what he began to encourage and say. You see, we don't do these things as a ritual because that would make us like the Pharisees if we did. But we understand that our dedication to the Lord is an investment we make to God and God alone. Amen. I come to his house. I worship him. I receive his word. I, I, I listen to his word in and, and my own time outside of these walls because I'm making an investment in the kingdom of God. Amen. And that investment is worth more than anything else that I could ever do. Hallelujah. You see, if you just come to church to be seen, Or if you just come to church for some other reason, I promise you, your commitment will fade when there's something more hip that you can go to. There's something better you could be at. Amen? But when, and and you know this because you're here tonight, and you love God, you love the kingdom, but I'm just reminding you that you ought to do this because your heart is in it, and it's because you want to serve God, and it's because you want to be pleasing to God. That's why I make every opportunity to be in his house. That's why I make every opportunity, I take every opportunity to read his word and to fast and pray and seek God. We've got to seek the Lord while he can be found. In Matthew 6, the scripture says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Wow. Jesus was saying, when you go and you do your ministry work, be careful at what how you're doing it, what attitude you're doing it in. Are you doing it to be seen? Wow. Somebody say, ouch. That kind of hurts a little bit. You know, we, we live in a social media age. I, I, hey, I like it too. I post on there. I was riding my skateboard today. I posted on there the song I was listening to in my headphones. You know, I was getting my car smog, so I skateboarded to the coffee shop work from there. It was fun, you know. I posted it on 
on social media. But what is, what is the point of us posting it? It's to get some likes. It's to get some, some people seeing you, to be seen. Amen? You know, I, I wonder this. I wonder how many people get their reward from reading their Bible and posting it on Instagram. Look at me, I'm reading my Bible. Whew. Uh, it's quiet in here. I shouldn't have said any of this. You already got your reward. That's what he said. He said, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. No, we got to do it in the right attitude. He said this, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Their reward was the praise of men. That's what it was. But God's like, I want to give you a better reward. And if you would do it to me, then I will reward you. Amen? Let's not let our worship to the Lord not be to the Lord. Because that's what it can be if we're not careful. Amen? But it ought to be to him and him alone because he's the one who saved my soul. He's the one who died on the cross, and he saw me specifically. He did it specifically for me to carry my sins. That God deserves my praise. That God deserves my commitment. Amen. That God deserves my whole heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't get it twisted. We're not looking for accolades here on earth, but we are after a reward from heaven and really just to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to please him. I want God to, to brag on me to the devil too. Some of you say, oh, don't say that. The devil come get you. You know, hey, maybe he will. But I would rather that God has something good to say about me. Where my prayers like like... You see, it's so beautiful in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, or I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius, he was a man who feared God. This isn't even my notes, this is free, all right? He's a man who feared God, and he gave to the poor. And he prayed to God always. And the Bible says his prayers came up before him as a memorial before God. God, looking from his throne from heaven, could see a stockpile. That's just how I imagine it, of papers with Cornelius's name on it that began to pile up above everybody else's papers. And it caused God to say, I can't help but allow him who's not even qualified to be a part of us. I, I cannot help but save him. I've got to find him, and I've got to find him right now. And the Bible says an angel showed up to his house and told him, hey, you need to go find the preacher. And he was the very first one of the Gentiles to receive the Holy Ghost. Thank God for a Cornelius, because we, none of us here would be saved. Now, I know God probably would have used somebody else. I know, but he was humble before the Lord, and he God allowed him 
to be the one who ushered in his salvation to Gentiles. Wow, how powerful, because he did it in the right attitude. Somebody say the right heart. Amen. John 12, and I don't, I don't mean to get all in this, but I, I do want to share this with you. John 12 and 42, the scripture says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I find this scripture so interesting. These people believed the Lord. They believed in Jesus. There's a whole lot of people that believe. Amen? You see them everywhere. There's believers all over. Let's just be honest. There's like 30 or 40 churches in this town. There's believers everywhere. But they would not confess him because they were afraid of what the Pharisees would think. Wow, are we somebody who's an outsider? We believe, but we're still an outsider. When God's looking for somebody, he'll come in, he'll confess him, amen? He'll he'll learn the ways of God. He'll learn how to be holy to the Lord, amen? I don't know about you, but I just want to get closer to Jesus. And I'm not gonna let the praises of people, or, or, or even the criticism of people stop me. Amen. There needs to be something in us that says, I don't care about what this world's metrics say. I don't care what that, that they say is a success. You know, I don't care if they judge what kind of car I drive. Not that they do. Amen. Well, maybe they do. I drive a Prius. I gotta tell y'all something. Oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor. I'm so sorry. I uh, I told you I skateboarded earlier. It's because, believe it or not, the state of California requires me to smog my Prius. It's a clean energy vehicle, but I gotta go pay sixty dollars, like all of you, and pay for them to smog my Prius to make sure it's still clean, even though it's a giant battery. All right, I'm getting off of that. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. But I've come to tell you, we have got to value the praise of the kingdom above everything else. You know, I've never thought of this scripture this way, uh, so I I decided to to put this in here because the Lord gave me a revelation of this. In Luke 15 and 10, the scripture tells us about, you know, the lost coin and the lost son, and, and the prodigal, and all of this. And the scripture tells us, it says, Likewise, I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You know, we, we preach about that all the time, that heaven throws a party when somebody repents. You know, when, 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 when a sinner comes to this altar, heaven throws a party. Well, the Bible says that it's the repentance that that gets them so excited, that gives them joy. You know what God put in my spirit? That that's for us too. That, you know, you're not too saved where they don't rejoice anymore over you. It's not just the lost. 
But it's somebody who's getting closer to the Lord. It's somebody who's repenting of that thing that they should have repented of a long time ago, but they're 10 years into their walk with God and they still haven't let it go. The moment they let that thing go, I believe that heaven rejoices even over that, that there's joy in heaven even over that. When somebody decides, I want to get closer to Jesus, heaven throws a party and I want a party to be thrown in heaven for me. Hallelujah. I want heaven's praise. I want to hear heaven praise. And it comes through me sacrificing. It comes through me uh, deciding that I'm going to repent and I'm going to get even closer to the Lord. Hallelujah. There's joy in heaven. That's the joy we ought to seek after. Above everything else. None of this other stuff matters. It's all stuff. It doesn't matter. I want the joy of heaven. This year, it's kingdom first is our theme. And I've come to tell you that if you put the kingdom first, there will be joy in heaven. You will be pleasing to God. And God will forgive you of your sins. And he will make you whole. And he will use you. He will make you fruitful if we abide in him. If we abide in him. Somebody say, I got to be in Jesus. Amen. We ought to seek him in our daily life. It's the only time that I'm in my word when I'm at church. Am I a Sunday Christian? Hey, this is something to evaluate yourself. This is a metric. Am I a Sunday Christian? Am I an everyday Christian? Amen. Am I getting closer to the Lord every single day? Or am I dragging in by the time Sunday comes along? Just barely making it through the week. Pastor, I just, I got so carnal this week. I just barely made it. You know, you're like, you're like that car, speaking of cars, you, you know, that rolls into the mechanic shop that's their worst nightmare. That person ain't ever changed that oil. And those tires are loose and they're shaking and they're falling off and, you know, the, the, the bumper falls off just as soon as they get in the parking lot. You're a mechanic's worst nightmare sometimes. Are we somebody that is fine-tuning our lives, that's looking at our day and saying, hey, how can I prioritize God today? How can I prioritize the kingdom today? Who can I witness to today? Amen? What can I do for God's kingdom? It's a heart thing. Amen? Amen. We've got to live this. I believe this is why Paul said to the Colossian church, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is exercise. This is exercise. This is us exercising our faith in God when we encourage and sing a song to ourselves. Amen? Is your internal thoughts panic all the time? You know, something bad happened in your day. Something bad happened at work, and you're in a panic. You're in a frenzy. You're just, you don't know what to do. But are you singing to the Lord, singing with grace in your hearts? I believe Paul's trying to, trying to encourage us that we should think the right things. 
we should keep the right focus in our daily lives. The first church, they gathered all the time. They did. But there were times they did not gather. They, they, went, to the, they went to the supermarket too, I'm sure. You know, or they just, you know, did their own food. But, you know, they, they cooked sometimes. They went to work sometimes. And so Paul was admonishing them, every day do these things. Amen. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That's such a descriptive word, richly, you know. That's how I like my chocolate cake. I like it rich, you know. I like it so dense and rich that I take a bite and I'm like, I'm done. Like there is no more, like I'm done. That's the whole thing. It's over, you know. Save the rest of it for later this week. I'm just, I'm just speaking that to somebody who may bake me one, you know, in Jesus' name. But if I, I want it dense in, inside of us. It's rich. You ever ha- heard somebody say that who doesn't like a chocolate cake that's rich like that? They're like, oh, it's too rich, right? That's how the Word of God should be inside of us. It should be rich inside of us. Why? So we're, we're apt and able to teach and admonish one another. Amen? In psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs. The church has a ministry. You have a ministry. And it's more than, than our, and I thank God for our service ministries, our cleaning team, our maintenance team. I thank God for them. But there is so much ministry we do just even from being around each other. We sharpen one another. We encourage one another. But I would argue that you could probably be a downer. Well, you're not encouraging, but you're just hanging on to them and pulling them down. You know, I, I, our pastor preached about, I, I don't remember when, a while ago, about how, you know, if you're in the ocean and someone is drowning, like, they will pull you down if they're panicking, right? That's kind of how it is, even in life. You know, you ever been around somebody that's just like, they're, they're pulling on you. They're, it's heavy. You're like, ooh, this is heavy right now. You're pulling me under. We don't want to be that person. We should seek after the Lord and encourage ourselves and let his word be richly inside of us. Don't let negativity be rich inside of you. Amen? But let the word of God. So I ask you, what's your song? Amen? What's your song? You should have a worship song. I know it doesn't have to be a song we sing in this church. It doesn't have to be a real song. But what is your song? What are you telling yourself in the Holy Ghost? How are you encouraging yourself? Paul said it this way to the Philippians. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen? It starts in the mind. That's how... We're able to be successful in God's kingdom. Amen? I'm giving you some, I'm being real here today. I know, I know the hype of, oh, my heart's right. Oh, I'm serving God. But it takes action from our part. You have to walk the walk. Amen? The, in Romans 8, uh, Paul said that uh, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the deeds of the, of the flesh. He didn't say that if you get baptized with the Holy Ghost one time over in Acts 2, 
that, that you're, you're good to go. You're taken care of, you know. No, he said you have to do what? Walk. We have to walk in the Holy Ghost. We have to move in the Spirit. Amen? If we're going to move in the Spirit, we'll overcome the flesh. I hope I'm helping somebody here who's, who maybe, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe your flesh is acting up. Walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you will overcome that flesh. But it takes some discipline on our part. Can you say amen? Jesus also said this in Matthew 6 and 21. He said, for where your, your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? See, you see, the world says this, invest in yourself, right? Where should you put your money? Well, you should put your money in, in, and you should make it grow for yourself. You should be the richest person you could possibly be. That's the focus, right? Invest in something that will grow you rich. But in the kingdom, the last shall be first. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's, that's really the basis of everything here. I hope you're hearing this today. And all these things shall be added unto you. You know, some of the most blessed people I've ever met, they just got their priorities straight. That's all that is. In fact, I have found the people more focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the things get added to them. All the things. You know that, that, uh, that GMC Denali truck? You know, it's like probably $150,000 now. You know, maybe used. It'd be about that much. That's that, maybe that's a thing God will add to you. But we got to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. That's above, that's above everything. That's the baseline. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I just feel challenged in the Holy Ghost that, yes, you've given. Yes, we have fasted. Yes, we have prayed. Yes, we have a record missions offering. But I just want to seek him more. I just want to seek his kingdom more. I just want to give more than I've ever given before. I don't want this to be a watermark year, but I want it to continue to grow. I want it to expand all over the world, and I want God to use our church to do his work in the kingdom. Because it's all about his kingdom. It's all about his kingdom anyways. Amen. Matthew 6 and 26 says this, and I'm quickly coming to a close, Brother Matt, if you want to come to the piano and give us some hope. Matthew 6 and 26 says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heart, heavenly Father feedeth them. How ye, how are ye not much better than they? Amen. This, this spoke so pow powerfully to me as Pastor casted our vision for this year from this text. And uh, he, he even bumped this point as well, so I, just, I must admit this is absolutely Pastor's thought here. But something in this uh, scripture is so interesting, and it's that the fowls, they get fed, all right? You see, Jesus is teaching. He said, hey, don't worry about anything. And he's giving these examples. He's saying the fowls, 
they get fed. They get taken care of. And the lilies, they don't toil. You know, they don't stress out over things. You know, oh, I got to be a success. I got to, you know, I got to be promoted on my job. I got to do this. I got to do that, you know. If I'm going to be good in life, I got to do this. No, they're not stressing, right? But something that's interesting about the fowls of the air is that they, they don't sow and they don't reap, right? Meaning they don't really have any means to produce food themselves, okay? But the food their heavenly Father gives them, they don't gather it into barns. They don't store it, right? But God just gives them enough. You know, there's just a little bit on the, on the ground. Somebody, you know, somebody who has six-year-olds, you know, they're eating a sandwich. And uh, when a six-year-old eats a sandwich, you know, there's crumbs on the ground, you know. No, I'm just, I'm being facetious. They do, they do pretty good. But there's crumbs. There's not much on the ground that's left behind. But the fowls come and eat it, and they don't worry about tomorrow. What do they do? They just eat right away. Well, okay, you and I know, yes, scientifically, they're just hungry all the time. So they just gobble it up while it's there. But I think there's a powerful principle in this. And it's, we can learn something from them. Let's just use what God gave us and not be so worried about the future. Let's just use what God gave us right now. And let's not stress about our tomorrows. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible tells us that Elijah came to this woman, and they're in a famine. And he said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said. She said, I'm just going to make a cake for my my son, and we're just going to die. And so he said, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first first, right? And bring it unto me. And after make thee for thee and thy son. And in verse 15, the scripture says this, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She listened to the man of God. And she and he and her house did eat many days. If they had not obeyed And done it first for the man of God. There's no telling what would have happened. It probably would have run out. But because they had, she had her priorities straight. Kingdom first. I've got to give to the kingdom first. I've got to take care of the kingdom first. I hope you're hearing me today. I I know you know this. But I want to emphasize this once again into our spirits that there is nothing in this world that matters like God's kingdom. Amen. God is going to, just like David, he's going to use us who didn't seem like we're anything. He's going to use us to impact the nations. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that they're just going to be, you know, hey, that, that, that's just, people might say things like, oh, that's just a little church, you know, over there. But this little church is impacting the nations. 
And do you realize that God is doing that right now? God is doing a miraculous work through this church. Do you realize, I'm going to be honest with you, we're we're on midweek service, I'm just going to be very plain with you. Do you realize that there are churches that are double and triple our size, that do not give like we give, that do not have the blessing that we have? And it's because there's a people It's because you are a people that put the kingdom first. Amen. If if we would stand to our feet. I've come to just remind you here tonight and really just remind myself here tonight that God wants to use us. That God wants us to be a success in His kingdom. And it's going to take us putting everything else secondary it's all secondary this 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 what is this this is just raiment this isn't anything clothes i have car i drive it doesn't matter somebody say it's nothing it's nothing but the fruit that he can grow through this branch i don't know about you but i want to be a branch of God. I want First Church to be an even stronger branch in the kingdom of God. Collectively and individually, I believe God can do it. I believe that people are going to write about this church one day because it's a church who got the revelation that I want to be pleasing to the kingdom above everything. Amen. If you would come to this altar I just want us to spend a little bit of time in prayer and let's just ask God to use us for his kingdom. Let's just ask God to help our focus to be right. Lord, I want to seek you above everything else. God, I want my heart right. Above all else, I want to be saved. I want to be a part of what you're doing in this day, Lord. Hallelujah. God, we pray that you would use this church in the name of Jesus. God, I want to be a success in your kingdom. I want to be a success in your eyes. Oh, I want to worship you above everything else. Above anything else, I just want to be pleasing in your sight. Oh, I want to please you, Jesus. On somebody, would you just cry out to God for just a little while here? I just want to serve you, Lord. I just want to be pleasing to you, Jesus. Thank you for making me your child, Lord. Oh, use these people, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's nothing else that matters. Nothing else that matters.